0: Two different passages, Genesis 1, 1 through 2. First of all, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Robert, if you'll come up, I'll I'll pray for you. Father in heaven, um, what a privilege it's been to have Robert and Karen in our body. Um, he's been a lot over the years, just a, a person I can call and ask tough questions to. He's been really gracious, and especially just to spend the weekend with us and today as well. And we just pray that you would use his words to point us to your glory, to point us to the the light and life in your son Jesus. Um, and just open our eyes, open our hearts, Give us willing, hungry hearts, and just use my brother, I pray today. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, well, I bring greetings from
1: Sojourn Church Midtown in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's an honor to be here with you. Karen and I have had the joy and the privilege of being with your elders and wives and some ministry leaders over this weekend, and it's just been a privilege to serve Christ as we have served Chorus. I'm excited to worship with you. It's always a privilege to worship with the church that we serve and also honored to have an opportunity to preach the Word today. And So before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with expectant hearts, knowing that you would do more than we ask or imagine. Father, we pray that you would bless the preaching of your Word. We ask that your Spirit make your living Word come alive as you reveal your truths and hearts to us so we can see and experience your beauty and love. Lord, I pray that you would shepherd us as this morning as we look to you as our hope and our help. Help us to see our lives through the lens of your story, deepen our faith, renew our hope, compel our hearts with your love. I pray this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but it seems crazy that January 2023 is almost over. Um, if, 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 I, you know, if, if you were, had a glimpse of, of my story, and I'm going to give you a glimpse right now, 2022 for us, for me, was known as a year of loss. In February of 2022, my best friend, my cousin, Alan, died at the age of 59 of cancer. I was his best man, and he was my best man in the wedding. In July of 2022, a friend of ours who we served with and trained in Atlanta, Georgia, he died at the age of 26. He committed suicide. And he was just married for only two years. In October of 2022, my brother, Raymond, died unexpectedly. He was in perfectly good health, but died of an aortic aneurysm dissection um, at the age of 59. 66, I mean. And it was totally unexpected. A week later, I spoke at our memorial service at the Naval Academy where we honored the lives of 84 men and women who died over the 40 years since we graduated. And in December, we had two children who died who were part of the families that we loved. One was a former elder, uh, his 17 year old son was killed unexpectedly right before Christmas. Uh, and then Later in December, we had a friend of ours in North Carolina. Their six-year-old son died of a rare disease that was contracted from when he got measles in an orphanage in India. By the end of 2022, I was telling the Lord, Lord, I don't want to hear about any more loss. I can't take any more bad news because it just weighs on you, right? As, as you're bombarded by all the things that we can encounter in this broken world, but on the other hand, I found myself praising God because I was reminded—he reminded me that He can bear the burdens that we cannot—and so I'm very thankful that that also Jesus is known as the Man of Sorrow, as we are filled with sorrow. But what about you? You know, this is an opportunity to just reassess what just happened in 2022 and what's happening right now in 2023. I'm sure that if you're like most people, you're, you're facing difficulties right now, whether it be you know, marriage difficulties, broken relationships, financial hardships, difficulties at work. Uh, perhaps you have aging parents. You're dealing with a lot, and it's, it's overwhelming. You know, Let me ask you a question that I have to ask myself as well. How do you tend to respond when you get surprised and you encounter the difficulties of life? Some of you on the outside may go with the flow, right? You seem like you're a steady person, steady state. Nothing seems to phase you, at least on the outside. But most of us respond in reactive ways. We can respond with fear. As a result, we can seek to control everything in our lives because of what we fear. We can even isolate ourselves to protect ourselves or we can put up walls and boundaries to make sure that we can control our environment. Perhaps we can get angry because something is keeping us from something that we want or we are experiencing something that we don't want. We don't like to be inconvenienced. We don't like surprises. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We can experience sorrow. Do you sometimes respond to life's difficulties with a sense of doubt and despair? You know, do you, do you start believing lies that life will not get better? Do you believe the lies that if, if nothing gets better, then what's the point of life itself? Sometimes hardships and heartaches can lead to shame. You know, you might find yourself asking the question, why do do bad things keep happening to me? When is the next shoe going to drop? And then if you just keep all this to yourself, you might wonder if you're the only one experiencing these hardships, these disappointments, to the point where you feel like you're different than everybody else. Well, my friend and author, David Pallison encouraged me in this last video at a conference that I attended and he had a prayer that was based on Psalm 112 verse 17 he said as the psalmist says those who trust in the Lord do not fear bad news but they put their trust in the Lord and they have confidence in their hearts in that moment when i heard my friend say these words i immediately said to the Lord, Lord, I want to live that way. I don't want to live in fear of bad news. I want to be ruled by your peace that I can have in the Prince of Peace, my Savior, Jesus Christ. As you can see in the slide behind me, there's going to be two goals for this morning. The first goal is I hope that you can see your life as part of a bigger story, God's story. And second, I pray that you can believe and know that you can experience God's love and comfort in the midst of the hardships of life whenever you hear bad news. You know, these goals may seem big or small depending on where you're coming from, but I know that God will meet you where you are. You know, if you're like me when you go to the mall or an outlet, you're always, I'm always looking for the map, right? I'm always looking for the map to see where I am and where I wanna go, and we're gonna do something similar. We're gonna start with your reality, my reality, because we wanna see where we are in the present where we've been in the past, and where we're going to go in the future. So take a look at the slide that you'll see here. It's a picture depicting your reality. As you can see, um, your reality has a past, present, and future. And also, your reality is made up of your story. And your story is simply your life experiences and events that have shaped how you live and love and how you understand life. But your reality also includes struggles, the struggles that come as we live life in a fallen world. For instance, the struggles that you can experience with your thoughts, emotions and the desires can be what keeps you up at night? Or what do you think about first thing in the morning? What does your mind drift to when you are struggling with fear or shame? What do you dread? or maybe, what do you dream about? Your struggles are connected with your circumstances and your relationships, and our struggles tend to distort how we live and how we love. You know, our reality can serve as a reference point in that we can compare everything in life to what we are experiencing in our reality, and it shapes everything. Let me share with you a couple of examples. As I've shared with you, you know, my life has been marked by loss and death. My great-grandfather, my, my grandfather, my father's father, died when he was 41 of heart disease. My father, before he died at the age of 61, he had two bypass surgeries and a stroke. And I learned about all this at the age of 8 when I went to the doctor because my hair was falling out. It was, I had a lot more hair back then. But my hair was falling out, so they took me to the doctor, and the blood work showed that my cholesterol was 300 and they go, oh my goodness, what are you eating? And I, and I said, I eat a lot of bologna and cheese. And so they said, stop eating that stuff. Um, but anyway, um, you know, I, for some reason, I began to believe the lie that I would not live past the age of 36. In other words, this reality of heart disease shaped how I saw and viewed life. Let me share with you a more lighthearted example. Three months into marriage, I, I lightheartedly went to my wife, Karen. And I I shared with her what I thought was a wise observation. And I said, hey, I noticed that every morning we eat cold cereal for breakfast. And I made the mistake of saying the next thing. Because she said, she kind of looked at me wondering where I was going with that. And so I said the next thing that I later regretted. I said, growing up, which was my past, which was my reference point, right? Um, I said, my mom made me a hot breakfast every morning. Yeah, you laugh, right? She gave me the look that would kill, you know? And so that's just a couple of examples how we tend to live in the present based on how we experience life in the past. But consider your tendencies. Do you live as if the temporal and tangible circumstances and relationships are your total reality? Is that all there is to life, what you can see, smell, taste, touch, and hear, right? But God shows us that there's a larger reality as revealed in God's story, a story of love. And that's where we're going to next. As you look at the diagram, as you can see there, um, you can see that your life is a part of God's story, which is a bigger story. And This this whole thing gives us an understanding that um, we can have vision and hope beyond our current reality. You know, when life presses us down, and it seems like our world is caving in, and everything seems to revolve around our issues, um, we can become hopeless and want to give up. Before we move to our reality, to God's reality, let me help you consider how you can get the most out of our time that we have left. As we continue to worship through the preaching of the word, you can know and experience your God in personal and powerful ways. We need his spirit to help us to imagine his realities, God's realities. We need his spirit to help us to experience his love, his comfort, his presence, his peace, his strength, and even the hope that we give. But we need his spirit to help us to imagine the realities, his spiritual realities that are just as real as the realities that we can see, smell, taste, touch, and even hear. Take a moment. Have there been times in which God seemed as real as the mountains or the oceans that you were setting your gaze upon? Were there times in which God seemed as near to you as your family member or friends who were sitting next to you? You know, that possibility and that reality is possible because of the Spirit working in you. But before we start working through God's story of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation, let me me have you take a moment to think right now as you sit here this morning, what reality is facing you? What reality has been most persistent or painful or, 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 or just troublesome as you have come here to worship this morning? Just take a few seconds to think about it. I want you to have something in mind because as we start to go through scripture passages this morning, I want you to imagine um, how God might be speaking to you in the midst of your reality. I want you to imagine how how you can experience God's presence and his nearness in the midst of your reality as you sit here right here and now. So let's transition as we look at God's story starting with creation. The slide is up there. You can see that creation shows us how God created us to live. As we take a look at the next slide, we can see that um, God created us to love not only Him, but also others. God created us to love Him and to love one another. And this diagram illustrates God's two great love commands. I want you to think that creation shows you how God created us to live and to love. But as we, as we look next, God also in our creation realities, he created us for communion with him. And what do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? In practical ways, what it means is that God created us to know him, to experience him, and to image him. And we're just going to take each of those points at one time. So first, God created us to know him. John seventeen three. Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. One reason why I want you just to look at this and just ask the Spirit of God to speak to you because it, see, it, it, it dispels a notion that eternal life is a destination. Eternal life, according to this passage, is about relationship, it's about knowing your God and the Son whom you sent. Eternal life is not something in the future, but something in the present that you can enjoy now. It's pretty mind-boggling, especially as you are, can be consumed by the realities that are facing you in your circumstances or your relationships. Take a moment and consider how God is inviting you to live differently based on the fact that as a believer in Jesus Christ, that eternal life is as real as your everyday life as real as your family life as real as your work life as real as your sports life as you guys have jerseys here and and getting ready to root for your favorite team right god is as real as all of your reality that you can see smell taste touch and hear well in the book of hebrews Um, knowing God implied, implicitly implied that you would know someone as in the same ways that a husband and wife knows one another. Right? It's just not cognitive knowledge of the other person, but it's an experiential knowledge as well. That leads us to our next aspect of communion with God. God created us to experience Him. Look at these two verses here. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, you might, might hear and see these passages, and you might say, man, this is a pipe dream. But God created you to taste and see his goodness. He's created you to taste the sweetness of his words that are spoken to you. Okay, here's... Here's the participation time, okay? This is where you can raise your hand and, and even make noises. So I want you to raise your hand if you make noise when you enjoy your favorite food. Raise your hand. Okay, what noise do you make? Go ahead. Mmm, right. Yeah, me too, right? Some people even talk as they enjoy. Oh, man, this is so good. I wish you could taste this, right? So raise your hand on a hot, just hot day you drank a bottle of cold water. What noise do you make? Right? So imagine this. Do you think that the God who created you to enjoy good food and a cold drink, you think that he created you to enjoy not only that, but that he created you to enjoy him in equal, if not greater ways? That's pretty amazing to think, isn't it? You know, so... That is something in which it should be a matter of prayer for you every moment of every day. Tasting and seeing and experiencing God's goodness is not for the super-Christian. There's no such thing as a super-Christian. It's for every one of God's people. That means you and me. Well, let's look at the next way that we can experience communion with God, and that is God created us to image him. So God created us... So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And what that simply means is that God created you and me to reflect him as we relate to one another, namely to God and to other people, and to respond And how we respond to our circumstances and, and things that we experience in life, to respond and reflect him in ways that that is according to his righteousness, according to the Word of God. Let me give you an example that might illustrate this a little bit better. Uh, I don't know how many of you are dancers in here, um, but imagine dancing with your partner or with your spouse. And in this dance couple here, they, they, they can feel and sense each other's movements and energy, right? They know, they can anticipate where the other one is going, and they, and they go with the flow, right? And as they feed off of each other's creativity and energies and instincts, they make for a beautiful and creative and enjoyable dance because they're in sync with one another. And that's how God created us, to be living in such a way that we're in sync with him, that we're walking with him as we follow the Spirit. God designs you to know and experience him, to enjoy life with him, and Unfortunately, um, we don't get to experience that on a regular basis. And we're getting ready to talk about that later. But I want to ask you um, to apply some of the creation realities through these two questions that's going to show on your screen here. How does understanding that God created you to know and experience him make a difference in how you see God? When was the last time you tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord? How might God be inviting you to live with him differently? If we don't understand and live out God's creation realities, we're going to be confused with the purposes in life, our purpose in life, our perspective on life, as well as our identity of who we are and why we even exist. But you remember I said earlier, why is it that we can't know and experience God on a, on a consistent basis? Well, it's because of the next movement of God's story called the fall. Just three chapters into Genesis, we actually see the story about the fall. And, you know, it's a, it's a sad story, but it's a true story. And But before we look at what they actually did, the first man and woman did, let's look at what God commanded them not to do. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. God was inviting them to enjoy his presence in everything and anything in the garden except for one thing. But another voice appeared in the garden, and unfortunately... Adam and Eve listened to that voice. Genesis 3 continues, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God says you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan speaks in a way to deceive us. He takes God's word and twists it to raise doubts in our minds. Notice it says, did God actually say this? But he also um, twist what God said, encountering in, in what God says, surely you're not going to die. So he's speaking opposite of what God says. You know, convincing lies have a sliver of truth to it, doesn't it? But unfortunately, as soon as the first man and woman disobeyed God and ate the fruit that they were not supposed to eat, they knew and experienced evil. Their disobedience against God broke communion with God, broke their relationship with God, separating them from God. So here's a slide that shows um, the fall. Take a look at the diagram. You can see clouds right in the middle of that diagram. It signifies spiritual warfare that seeks to keep us from trusting God, from loving God, and from obeying God. Before God saved you and me, we didn't desire God. We didn't even know God, right? And why is that? Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 4, four. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's powerful. Before we came to know Christ, there was no way that we could know and experience God because of the evil one, Satan. But even as a Christian, evil keeps to see you and me from loving God, keeps you and me from experiencing the love of God, and keeps you and me from loving others. So let's take a look at another slide that is has result of the fall. Instead of loving God, we love ourselves. And instead of loving others, we love ourselves. It's been said that it's at the moment of the fall, love imploded upon itself so here are two important fall realities to remember as you live life on this side of heaven and this is really important and it makes a difference in how you live life on this side of heaven the first one is god did not create you to experience evil he told us not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right but when adam and eve ate from that tree That's all we do now is to, we we know evil and we experience evil, even though we know Christ. And the fall is the source of all brokenness. It's the source of all heartache. For every man, every woman, every child, brokenness results when evil impacts our bodies and our souls and all of creation. That's why there's so many diseases and disorders and disasters and wars and death. That's why relationships are hard, and that's why relationships can hurt because of the evil in us and within us. The evil we do against others and the evil done to us traumatizes our souls because we were not created to know and experience evil. But the evil we battle against is not just about flesh and blood. Let's look at Ephesians 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What's going on now in the heavenly realms, in the realm that we cannot see, is that the kingdom of evil is in a relentless battle against the kingdom of God. We cannot live with a peacetime mentality. Imagine if Ukraine lived with a peacetime mentality, believing that there's no enemy against them in February of 2022. If they lived as a country as if they had no enemies, they would have been wiped out in a, number, in a matter of days when Russia launched its attack against them. And even if they knew they had enemies, if they, did, if they ignored the enemies or if they didn't fight, intentionally fight against the enemy they would have been overwhelmed and overtaken just like that. But because we're still living in the fall, we need to remember another truth, that evil is more powerful than you and me. Let me read from 2 Timothy 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of holiness or godliness but denying its power. Man, what a list. But I'm guessing that you and I can relate to almost every one of those, whether it be us doing it or it being done to us. Here's a a bottom line point. You and I cannot manage sin. Left to ourselves, sin will always manage us, will manhandle us. We can't have our way with sin. So here are a couple of questions applying the fall realities. How does understanding that God did not create you to know and experience evil make a difference in how you know and understand your story and your God? Can you see how your struggles, pain, and brokenness flow from the fall? If so, how does the fall's reality help you to see your desperate need for Jesus Christ? The fall is bad news, right? But here's the good news. The fall is not the end of God's story. The fall is part of God's story. We may have some questions. Why did God allow the fall to be a part of God's story? You know, those are the kind of conversations we can have with God in heaven. But know this to be true. As As the fall being part of God's story, it tells us that God has a plan and a purpose, knowing that the fall is part of his story, and he took action. And that moves us to the next movement of God's story, redemption. You know, the good news of the gospel is that God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world, and he came to live the life that we could not live and die the death that we deserved so that he might reconcile us back into a right relationship with God. But not only did he do that, he came also to restore our souls that have been traumatized by evil. Jesus doesn't restore us as a distant God unmoved by our pain and heartache. He restores our souls to his intimate union with us as he's with us always and his spirit is in us. From redemption, we see that the life of Christ shows us what it looks like to live a sinless life in a fallen world. We can't do that. The one who lived sinless uh, was Christ alone. But it also shows that the death of Christ saved us from our sins which separated us from God and the resurrection of Christ restores our souls that have been damaged by sin. But because of the resurrected life of Christ, we have been raised from death to life with him as symbolized in baptism. Where's your baptism pool? Right over there, right? You've seen people die with Christ and raised a new life with him. But through Christ, we have been given power the same power that raised Christ from the dead to live life in this fallen world. Let's look at the next slide of redemption. It shows us how Jesus restores us with love. You know, God knew that if left on our own, we would stray from him like dumb sheep. So what did God do to be so confident in his salvation? He did a few things. Number one, he brought us into union with Christ and placed his spirit his spirit of love within us. And you can see that arrow coming down from heaven into the heart is that God poured out his love into our hearts through his spirit and he brought us into union with Christ. Jesus explains his union in simple terms in John 15 Abide in me, in I, in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am divine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, we cannot live on this side of heaven apart from Jesus. But how often do we live each moment, each day, maybe even each week, living in two different realities? Like, oh, this is my God reality when I come to this place to worship or my missional community, and this is my real other reality as I live life. No, God meant our realities to be on one page in one life. Let me illustrate another important truth. As you consider um, the diagram with the clouds, you know, have you ever gone to the airport on a cloudy day and you can't see the sun? And so what happens when you board the plane, the plane takes off, punches through the clouds, what do you see? You see the sun. The sky is blue, but what, what do you see if you look out and down the window? you still see the clouds. So here's an important redemption reality that we all need to remember. In Christ, two realities can be true at the same time. Even though we're living in the fall, we're living in Christ. That's hugely important. But we're going we're to move on. We also have to see that Jesus is our reference point. You know, God invites you and me to live in a story where Jesus is your reference point rather than merely living in our own story where you and me and our own reality serves as our reference point, as I joked about with the serial, right? If your reality continues to serve as your reference point, you will focus on what's in your face, on the tangible and temporal reality summed up perhaps by your chaotic feelings, your obsessive thoughts, your difficult circumstances, and your broken relationships. This narrow focus pulls our head down, and all we want, all we want is to change our chaotic feelings, to stop our excessive thinking, to control our circumstances, and to avoid our broken relationship. And if nothing changes with our tangible realities, what happens? We will wrestle with doubt and sink into despair and have a sense of distance from God who we think has left us. We can forget that God is real and near. But as we look at Jesus as our reference point, we're reminded of the eternal truths that God is with us, that all of God's promises are yes in Christ, and that his power rests on us as we boast in our weaknesses we will remember also that nothing can separate us from the love of God, and also we will remember that nothing can snatch us out of the hands of the Father or from the Son. Be reminded of who your, who your good shepherd is as you live in this fallen world while living in Christ. Look at Isaiah 40. He will tend his flocks like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead them um, who are young, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Your good shepherd, Jesus Christ, is a good and tender shepherd. But don't miss the second verse up here. Jesus Christ, your tender shepherd, is also a powerful God who created heavens and earth and is holding all things together. That's who your God is, and that's who's keeping you safe. So let's look at the next um, slide to see how we can apply redemption realities. As you struggle with doubts, remember that Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith. As you struggle with despair, be reminded that Jesus is your living hope, who is the anchor for your souls. As you struggle with a sense of distance from God, remember that God's love and mercy pursues you every day of your life. On this side of heaven, we're not fully restored, right? But Jesus is restoring your soul every moment of every day as you seek him, as you trust him, as you follow him. God is restoring your soul when you trust God even when you hear bad news. God is restoring your soul when you repent and confess your sins when the Spirit convicts you. God is restoring your soul when you pray to Him and worship Him by faith even when you don't feel like it. God is restoring your soul when you sense His presence in your loneliness. God is restoring restoring your soul when you believe in his promises, even when you've been betrayed and abandoned. Even though God rescued us and is restoring us from his love, life is still hard, right? But remember that two realities can be true at the same time. Let's move to the last movement of God's story, and that's consummation. You know, we love a story with a happy ending, right? Even though there's some hard times in the stories, at the end we love a picture-perfect ending. Um, some examples here, I don't know the movie crowd here, but man, maybe The Notebook, when the man and the woman fall in love, right, and they, they live happily ever after. Or even Top Gun Maverick, um, when the heroes accomplish their mission. Or maybe the movies in which the underdogs come back from behind to win the game, like the only movie that I thought was The Mighty Ducks, right? <laughs> so. So you can say that God's story has a storybook ending where good overcomes evil, where we will live in paradise forever, where justice will have the final say. And those who rejected God, including Satan and his demons, are sentenced to eternal condemnation and suffering. As you look at consummation, you will see that we will enjoy love forever. If creation shows us how God created us to live, consummation shows us how we will live forever. And consider creation and consummation as the bookmarks or how we live life in this crazy, chaotic, confusing world. God knows we need help, and he's given that. But let's look at Revelation 21, which offers a powerful picture of the end of God's story. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Years ago, when I would read this passage, I would say, man, that's so far away. That's too far in the future. I need to know how Jesus makes a difference now. But listen to how these future realities can play an important role in how we live in our present reality. Think about this. The God who will wipe away every tear and pain from your life is the same God who you can draw to now. God never changes. The perfect and infinite love that you will enjoy in heaven can be enjoyed now as you taste and see his goodness and his love is better than life. Just imagine that you can enjoy every relationship with your, enjoy your relationship with your perfect God now and you can rest in his strength and in his mercy now. For anyone who has experienced injustice, oppression, and abuse, be encouraged by another picture of the new heavens and earth from Isaiah 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Just imagine Evil will be no more. Painful memories will be no more. They can no longer haunt you and me. God's beauty will eclipse your brokenness, your trauma, your heartache. God's abiding love will wash away your pain, your shame, your sorrow, your fears. You'll be totally free to love God and to love others without fear of abuse or abandonment or betrayal. There will be no division, no conflict, no bitterness, no boundaries in our relationships. We can worship God freely without distractions of what is for lunch or what time is the game. We will be content, lacking nothing, and we will enjoy life to the fullest as we enjoy God in His fullness. In closing, we took a whirlwind tour through God's story. But I hope and pray that God met you where you are in your reality. I pray that you would come to see that your story is part of God's bigger story. And I pray that you can believe with all confidence that you can experience God's comfort and love when you hear bad news and in the hardships of life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, thank you for your power, thank you for you being an ever-present God. We thank you, Lord, that you give us the grace to believe you, to know you, to experience you so that we can live with you, that we can live for you and we can live like you. God, thank you that you have given us hearts who can wor- that can worship you and that you set eternity in our hearts. God, thank you for placing us in Christ, placing us in the body of Christ as we can enjoy the love and encouragement and even the accountability with your people. So God, continue to bless our time of worship as we prepare our hearts for communion. We pray this in Christ's name.